0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of NBA PTF. Uh, we had some good insight last night. wanted to let you know this was recorded on Tuesday night, so this is before uh, Game 2 of the Hawks and Sixers and Game 1 of Clippers and Jazz. So we dived into what we thought was going to happen in that game, um, and it was great. Uh, Austin Thompson, uh, if you don't know who that is, he big Suns fan, so we had his input on what the Suns were doing, and he also gave his take on... Uh, who he thought the X Factor was going to be for the Sixers last night, and boy, did he call that right. Um, He's also the writer and composer of our theme song, so big shout-out to him, and thanks for letting us use that. Uh, So, yeah, stick around to the end. Listen to what we had to uh, say about those games. Uh, We also hit about Trey Young and the future of the Hawks and went over some of Tom Thibodeau's uh, career history and where we think the Knicks are going. So, yeah, enjoy the show, and we'll hope to see you soon. Thanks. First thing I want to talk about is, uh, let's recap last night's Bucks nets game, which was just absolutely atrocious. Um, I want to hit on a couple topics here, and then um, I will uh, start asking you guys what your thoughts are on the game. Um, some things that stuck out to me, uh, besides Giannis and Chris Middleton's struggles, we had uh, 8 of 27 from the three-point line for Milwaukee for 29.6%. And the big thing to me was the Bucks only got to the free-throw line a total of nine times as a team. Now, Brooklyn only got to the line seven times, but they were in the driver's seat the entire game, up by 49 at one point. So before we start diving in... Uh, too much into that game. i want to start with Thad. What's uh, some of the glaring things that stick out to you from last night's game between Brooklyn and Milwaukee?
1: Hey, guys. How you doing today?
0: Um, so, for that game, I mean,
1: Brooklyn was in the driver's seat, like you said, the entire game. Um, and the big reason was the amount of threes that they hit. Uh, they hit 13 more threes. Then the Bucks did Giannis was O from three from behind the arc um, and just didn't really do anything all game. So that was big for the Bucks. I mean, if he could have done something, maybe it would have been a little closer, but I, like defensively, even like he could not stop Durant. And honestly, I don't think he is going to stop Durant. Maybe one game and that'll be the game. The Bucks win. Um, Another big thing was uh points in the paint compared to the amount of fouls and the amount of time the Bucks got to the line. The Bucks almost had sixty points in the paint and like you said, they got to the line nine times. Like that's that's not gonna win games. So that's my take for that game. I still say Nets probably in four if the b uh Bucks don't get
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um KD had 13 points on 4 of 6 shooting in the first quarter alone. And Giannis was 1 for 4 with 2 points. And Middleton threw up an 0 for 0 for six zero points in the first quarter. So KD outscored Giannis and Middleton 13-2 to in that first quarter. So that was hard uh, selling, sailing for the Bucks just from the get. Um, that first half, Kevin Durant finished 21 points on 70% shooting. Uh, Giannis finished 3 of 8 for 6 points Middleton 3 of 11 for 8 points so a little bit better there in the second quarter Um, and James Harden's replacement Bruce Brown came in with 11 points on 5 of 7 shooting in the first half Garrett do you have anything that you saw in that first half that Milwaukee should have done better other than the fact that they just struggled
2: I don't know just about the first half I mean you dig a hole with, with the firepower that the Nets have it's so hard to overcome but I know everybody was all about P.J. Tucker. Um, the Rockets had a huge asking price for him, and the guy scored two points in, in 22 minutes. Um, I didn't understand the hype, why he was so coveted anyways, and then they get him, and, and he does this performance. And also, I know Middleton's been a two-time All-Star, but I don't know. he He fits more into that role-player category, in my opinion, instead of, you know two stars basically and and it just falls on Giannis and then also Kevin Durant is a tough matchup for him that can move just as well as him has you know basically the same height and uh, Giannis usually preys on the smaller you know small forward defender or
3: the bigger guys on
2: him you know he can go around him and Durant's actually held his own and, and given him a lot of problems so I think Giannis just has no help and I think it's pretty glaring in this
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't know what um, Milwaukee's going to have to do to stop Durant. It almost seems like they are just going to have to let Durant do his thing and try and slow everybody else down. Uh, Because if they try to change anything going into the second half, it didn't work because Durant came out 5 of 8 for 11 points in the third quarter. So they got to figure something out there. Um, luckily for Milwaukee, Giannis showed some kind of life in the third, scoring 12 points, 5-7 of seven shooting. Um, but, it, you know, obviously it wasn't that. By that second half for sure. Let's just see here. It was a 36-19 first quarter, Brooklyn. 29-22 uh, second quarter. Brooklyn still won the third quarter, 30-24. In the uh, fourth quarter, they still outscored them by nine points with the bench. And for a final score of 125-86, to Uh, Dan, was there anything uh, that you saw that stuck out
4: from that game? I mean, not really. I mean, just like you said, from top to bottom, even the bench outscored them. So, I mean, Milwaukee was out of this from the get-go. I mean, this is one of those games that you just, as Milwaukee, you have to look at and just kind of erase it from your memories. It never happened. That's the only way you can get past this because, I mean – During the regular season, they're only, you know, two games behind them in the record. So it's not like they're that much below the Nets during the regular season. Now, this is the playoffs where teams like the Nets, they come together and they step up because they are the Nets and they have Durant. But you're looking at Giannis trying to take that next step up or he's already there. He just needs to get some playoff wins and maybe a championship. This is the challenge that you have to go through to get over that hump you know you have to beat these kinds of teams like the nets that's the only way you can do it so basically just put this one out of your memory and try to get a win at home that's the only way you can do
0: it. yeah good point um i it it's hard especially when an entire team is just off um shooting and everything um aaron do you have any more input on this game um, not much of what was already said,
5: but I think just watching the game, I don't think anybody played as well as as Mike James did for the Nets, and that's that's really telling for the the Bucks to have to deal with not only playing as bad as they did, but every single player that came in for the Nets played well. And I just I'm trying to back myself up with the stat sheet here with Mike James, but he did lead the team in plus minus, um, and. He just really overachieved from where he needs to be for the Bucks to have any chance.
0: Yeah, uh, I had Mike James' plus 30 highlighted on my sheet as well. Um, a couple of quick things I had also. Uh, Bruce Brown coming in to start in place with uh, James Harden at 13 points, six rebounds and four assists. And uh, one thing I did see as well was Bryn Forbes from Milwaukee played 22 minutes and had 10 points and was four or six shooting um, behind Middleton's 34 minutes on seven or 20 shooting. This is something that we kind of talked about uh, last night um, where does a coach, a coach has to make a decision. Hey, do we stick with the guy that's struggling or do we go with a guy that's hitting the shots? And last night they stuck with Middleton and it didn't seem to work out. Um, Anybody see Milwaukee bouncing back at all and maybe getting one of these games at home, Garrett. I'll start with you.
2: I could maybe see them stealing one at home, but you know this series is over. Nets are in such a good spot that you know they can rest Harden for the next series, and um, that'd be the only way. You know if they're limiting minutes or something, Durant was kind of banged up this year, but I I don't think there's a. Aaron is the Bucks. I was one of the guys
5: yesterday that said they might get two, but I struggled to see how they could even get one now. Uh, without James Harden in the lineup, it's crazy that the Nets are killing them by almost 40 points.
0: Yep, good point. Dan?
4: I'll give them one still, Dave. I think they squeak one out at home, but that's, that's about it.
1: And Thad? If Giannis can keep the rant within 20 points... For one of the games in Milwaukee, I think they sneak one
0: out. But if he can't, Net- Yeah, I agree. It's not looking good for Milwaukee. Giannis had a triple-double, and they still just got absolutely manhandled. So let's move on to uh, the second game of the night, uh, Denver and Phoenix. Um, hey, Dave, real quick, can I point
5: out also we talked about the Bucks' free throw shooting four of nine. All five of those misses were Giannis, and the Nets only shot seven free throws that game and they still won by almost forty, so
0: Yeah. Yeah, Giannis is definitely gonna have to get to the line more um and put him in. I mean that's you know, a big thing for him I know, but it's just gonna have to happen when it comes down to the playoffs and trying to make it further than what they've been. So uh Denver and Phoenix, this game uh was really good back and forth. We had a tied first quarter, uh twenty eight, twenty eight. Um, And we discussed that battle of Aiton and Jokic. And although Aiton didn't quite slow down Jokic too much in the first half, uh, Jokic did have 15 points and 6 rebounds in the first half. DeAndre Aiton with uh, 11 points and 8 rebounds in that first half. A couple things that I did see that I wanted to uh, discuss was, again, uh, free throws. Uh, Denver only got to the line six times, which is just crazy to me. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll stop there for now. But that first half, um, we had a, a one point game with Denver up one point. Um, like I said, eight and eleven and eight, and Jokic fifteen and six. Um, Austin, I'd like to have you jump in here as a Suns fan, if you would. Uh, but I'll start with Aaron on this one. What did you see in that first half of anything that, that stuck out? Was Phoenix coming out s- too slow? Uh, did Denver have things going? What do you think? I think the first half was just the Nuggets'
5: pace is exactly what they wanted the whole game, and they just couldn't keep that up for more than 30 minutes once the Suns started running the ball. They, you could just see how Gassiokic got in the second half compared to the first half. I don't even think it has anything to do with Aiton. I don't think Aiton's uh, slow or speeding him up. I think that's the point guard and that's Booker speeding him up, and he can't keep up with their pace. And it just—it really telling the second half. He just was not looking the same. But that first half, I thought the Nuggets looked just like they should, looked just like they've been looking all year. Um, just maintaining the pace, and I think it shows a lot that the Suns were able to stick around with the Nuggets playing
2: their pace.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I I don't know. We did talk about yesterday how um Ayton was one of the better defenders against Jokic uh in the beginning of the season, which all three matchups were in January of this year. So there's been a lot of time in between uh their matchups then and now. Um but yeah, it looked kind of back and forth there uh for the first half. Um but coming out of halftime we had uh, Mikael Bridges, which I know Dan brought up at the towards the end of our show yesterday um, as being one of the keys and one of the guys that needs to step up and hit some of those shots. And he uh, came out of the third quarter 5 of 5, 13 points and two threes. Um, so 13 points in that third quarter, he had 10 points in the first half. So, Dan,
4: um, talk
0: about that maybe a little bit.
4: Yeah, Dave, he had a huge game, honestly. I mean, 4 for 8 and 3 uh that's honestly as as good as you can get for michael bridges um and uh really, he was the one that kind of broke the game open in the third quarter for them i mean uh like you said, he was five for five, and uh they just kind of picked up the pace a little bit and they hit some big shots um also a couple big shots from uh who was it oh Crowder Crowder. He hit a couple big shots late in the shot clocks. And Garrett was talking about Crowder yesterday. needing needed to do the dirty work, but also hit a couple of those big shots. So those two were really the difference makers, along with Yonder Ayton kind of slowing down uh, Jokic just a little bit. But, I mean, that's about what we thought was going to happen, other than Aaron. Aaron thought maybe Denver would win this in five, but I think the group consensus was kind of that Phoenix Suns are just a little bit better. They're deeper, and uh, especially at home, if they can get production from the likes of Bridges and Crowder every game, there's no way they're going to lose this series.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was surprised on how much this game, you know, we talked last night, hey, this needs to happen from this guy, this needs to happen from this guy, and that's exactly what happened and needed to happen uh, for the Suns to come out in this one. Um, Garrett, real quick, um, talk to us about Crowder and what you saw from him last night versus what you were expecting to see from him.
2: I thought Crowder filled the role exactly like we thought. He was, you know, battling on D like we expected and you know a three for nine shooting but he scored 14 points which is just a bonus in my opinion uh he hit an and one three right at the end of the first quarter to tie it up you know to keep the momentum with the suns and also i loved ayton's game last night 20 and 10 but nine for 13 shooting so very efficient around the rim and look, Jokic, i mean he's you know mvp possibly and he's going to get his it doesn't matter who's who's guarding him so to hold him under 50% shooting I, I thought Aiden played a great game and you know just like we talked about everybody filled their roles and I, I think the Suns are a complete team and they're the Nuggets are going to have trouble competing
0: yeah um that's a great uh point um you know as of an hour ago Jokic actually was just named the MVP of the league um, so with that being yeah yeah so with that being said it was surprising that Jokic only got two shots up in the fourth quarter he was 0 for 2 he had no rebounds no blocks no assists no steals but he did have one foul um, so Thad were you surprised to see how little Jokic was used in the fourth quarter albeit it was a 9 point game going into that quarter I mean, yeah, I think everybody was surprised
1: uh, at that. I mean, obviously the best player on your team, just named MVP. You got to utilize him more. Um, I think the story of the fourth quarter, though, uh, hold on, sorry, was was Chris Paul. Um, He hadn't really done much in the game before then, Um, but he really stepped it up in the fourth quarter even Booker commented on that after the game he loved the energy um that Paul brought uh to the court um back to back shots making the jazz or the nuggets sorry the nuggets take a timeout um i think a big thing in this game though that nobody's mentioned yet is that Michael Porter Jr was held to three points in the second half he had 12 going into halftime hit one three in the second half yeah. um so I thought that was huge. because um, he could have been a big difference maker in this game. Um, and then something that we didn't we did touch on right at the beginning was free throws. Um The Suns hit 12 more free throws than the Nuggets did. Um so I thought that was huge as well for them. Um, and then Booker, obviously, um, he's just gonna do whatever he wants.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with you on the, the Chris Paul thing for sure. It was a nine-point game going into that quarter. Denver hits a couple shots, knocks it back down. Uh, and Chris Paul goes off six for six, 14 points in that fourth quarter just to kind of seal that deal and not give Denver a chance uh, to come back in. But, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., we talked about that too. He was a guy that was definitely going to have to show up for Denver for them to have a chance in this game. And When you got uh, Jokic going over for 2, in the fourth quarter, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to be that other guy. Composo played great. I thought 15 points, uh, 14 points, six assists, and four rebounds. Um, but when you got the MVP of the league only getting two shots up in the fourth quarter, there got to be somebody else that can score the basketball, and that should have been Michael Porter Jr. But um, once again, as we see, he's uh, you know shying away from the ball again when it when it matters most. Um, Dave, I mentioned that,
5: something that, uh, about Porter Jr. real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Coach came out and said um, he tweaked his back there He only played three minutes in the fourth quarter and they're not even sure if he'll be ready for game two, um, which is kind of a huge deal for the Nuggets. I mean, that's why he didn't score any points. He only played three minutes that fourth quarter. They're trying to maintain his minutes and they kept a wrap around his back the entire second half.
0: Okay, well, that makes sense. That back has been uh, a major issue for him since he was at Missouri, so... Um, the comparisons to McGrady come in a couple of different ways there, I guess. Um, one thing I want to touch on real quick is, uh, four Suns players had at least 20 points last night. Devin Booker at 21, 8 and 20, Paul 21, and Bridges 23. And they held Jokic to 22, 9 and 3 after he had 15 at halftime. So let's talk to our resident Suns fan. Austin Thompson, I know you're feeling pretty good uh, from that game last night. Is What did you see uh, last night to help them pull that game out in the th- uh, third and fourth quarter, and what do they need to do to go ahead and pull this whole series out?
6: Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I think we're seeing what I've seen all year, and I think the world's now seeing it on a bigger stage. Uh, you look at Mikael Bridges. I mean, he had a monster game last night in that third quarter just going off. They were down at that moment, eight, I think, and they came back and it went on a huge, like, 24-4 to four run or something like that. Um, I mean, just huge play from him. Crowder, the 3 and D ma- monster, I mean, he hits those timely shots. I mean, I get scared sometimes, you know, he's going to brick it, but he comes through in the biggest clutch moments that he needs to. Um, Chris Paul, another big run. But really, I mean, the star of the game – last night for me was um, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he held Jokic to 10 of 23. Um, Jokic only had three assists yesterday. I think that's a big problem for Denver going forward. He's got to facilitate more. I mean, the biggest problem for Denver going forward is probably Michael Porter Jr. I mean, is he going to be healthy or not without without his I mean, he's mostly a three-point shooter to me. That seems like that's really all he was going for last night.
0: What do you guys think? Yeah, he, yeah, he took uh, five threes last night, which, you know, you can knock those down. But when he's, you know, that shows you just how much he was getting bullied around last night from Aiden. I mean, he was getting forced out. Um, I, would, I would, and I'm sure most of Denver and all NBA fans would like to see Jokic do more. Uh, you know, he's fun to watch and you'd think, you know, almost at least a double-double easy. We didn't even get that last night. Um, thanks for that input there, Austin. Um, one thing I, uh, do want to talk about real quick and I'm not going to get too much into it. But something that popped into my head last night as I was watching that game, um, Aaron Gordon, um, it seems that now he has faded completely into that role player. Dude's only 25 years old. Uh, and just real quick, Garrett, I want to ask you, um, does he still have potential to be a 20 and possibly 8, 10 guy? Uh, or do you think he's too far settled now into this role of he's going to be a three-point shooting in the corner? You know What do you, what do you think is his future?
2: I think he's young enough and has enough upside that he could still do that. Um, coming to the Nuggets, you know, Jokic is like a unicorn. I mean, he runs the offense at a seven-foot center, which is extremely rare. You know, we we talked outside of this podcast early in the season, you know, Jamal Murray's production was down. And when you look into it, I mean, Jokic is at the top of the league and, and assists for a center. And – and we're still seeing it uh, with Aaron Gordon. I mean, he's he's not a focal point of the offense. He's going to get rebounds and and putbacks and then hit, you know, corner shots. So I think the Nuggets, I don't know if that's the best fit for his style of game as a role player. Um he's not going to get the ball down on the block like he did in Orlando as much. And I think you got to take into account just being ran bit through a center. I mean, there's no other team in the league that really operates like this. I mean, it's just kind of a weird situation and I don't think it's a great fit for him. So he's still young enough. I think if in the right situation he's definitely that caliber.
0: Yeah, it's good input. And um I I I think I agree with you. I was kinda of hoping somebody would agree with me there. I, I think he's young enough, but it just seemed like he seemed to be so complacent and now that he's not the number one guy. Maybe that might hinder his uh, growth as a player, but um, I think if he gets out of Denver, there's still a chance for him to be something special. Uh, Three more things I want to touch on uh, with this game. Uh, Garrett, you said a big X factor potentially for Denver was going to be Monte Morris, and he was 1 for 10, shooting 0 for 4 from 3 with two points, and man, they could have really... Used him later on in that game. So, yeah, good good call out there. He's definitely going to have to do something better uh, going forward. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he took the third or fourth most shots on the entire team and made one. So that's going to have to change. Thad, um, I want to apologize. Uh, Frank the Tank did not play. Coach's decision. Uh, we did not get to see him jump in and do his thing for the Suns. Um, and one more thing, uh, Tory Craig, we've talked about his name the last couple of weeks. Uh, but man, what a putback jam for him the other night. You get, that was, uh, crazy. So it's nice to see some of these guys, uh, jump up and do something special here. Um, but real quick, before we jump in, uh, to a preview of the Hawks and the Sixers, um, what is going on with Blake Griffin? Dude had zero dunks in 20 games for Detroit, comes to Brooklyn and has 18 dunks, averaging almost a dunk a game. Uh, Aaron, is it just the fact that he's out of Detroit, or what is it? I mean, was he faking this injury just to get out? What do you think is the deal here?
5: All eyes on Brooklyn. You know, he has more eyes on him. He wants to show up. He wants to show off. That's what he's always done. It's always ever done, in my opinion, um, besides losing the playoffs. He's lucky to have some people to rely on as people to draw some double teams so he can get to the open.
0: Well, that's the hot take we are wanting. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Blake Griffin just to show off, and now that
4: all eyes are on him, he's ready to go? I wouldn't say necessarily show off, but I would definitely say he's been rejuvenated now that he's got a team that's in the hunt. He's out of Detroit. I mean, not to put any bad, you know, like you don't want to say anything bad about Detroit, but. It's not exciting there as much as it is right now in New Jersey. He's closer to New York. He's got more stuff to do. And uh, he's just ready for the playoffs, Dave. Dan, I don't know if you know this, but Brooklyn is in. I do know it, Thad, but it's right there.
5: (laughs) And I'll say some bad things about uh, Detroit anytime, if you want to ask me
6: some questions.
0: Yeah, we don't need to go back to 2004. We can talk about that uh another day. Um so let's jump into a quick preview. Um I don't have a whole lot to say about the Clippers and Jazz uh only because you know we haven't seen that series play out. I think it will be interesting. We'll see if Clippers are pretenders or contenders. Um however, uh it was re- uh announced today that Mike Conley Jr. is going to be out for game one with a strained hamstring. So just real quick, uh, maybe just, you know, five to ten seconds each of you here. Uh, What do you see happening game one tonight, Clippers? Jazz, we'll start with Aaron. Uh, I think it all depends on how how tired the Clippers look. I
5: mean, they only had a day off since the game seven. Um, If Kawhi doesn't play like he did the last few games and he plays like he did the early rounds, I think the Jazz can come out pretty easily on top, I mean very easily on top um, and it really depends on how well the Clippers can score in the paint I would say probably not very easily with Gobert down there, but like you said Conley being out's a huge deal and I think you'll see consistency from the stars, but it just depends on who breaks out outside of that for this game one So who do
0: you got Clippers or Jazz? I have the Jazz game one All right, Dan, Clippers or Jazz, what do you got?
4: I like to see Clippers, game one, taking it because of the Mike Conley fact.
0: I think that's definitely going to be tough uh, for them. Garrett, who do you got?
2: I think Mike Conley is a glaring issue. On the flip side, I don't know who. The Clippers throw at Gobert. I think he's a difference maker down low, but I think the Conley injury outweighs that, and I think the Clippers will win.
6: Yeah, I mean, just to touch on what Aaron said, I, the Bucks came out pretty flat against um, the Nets the other night on game one. I think we're probably going to see something similar out of the Jazz, especially without Conley, uh, like Clippers by by double digits.
0: Okay, Thad?
1: I think the Clippers are mentally exhausted um, and physically exhausted from that first series versus Dallas. Um, Obviously, Mike Conley out is huge um, for the Jazz, but I still think they pull out game one just for the fact that they're well-rested and the Clippers are just coming off of game seven series.
0: Sorry, guys, I forgot to unmute myself there. Um, Andrew, thanks for joining. Um, what are your thoughts on the Jazz Clippers game?
3: Um, I'm going to go the Clippers because um, they look really good as of late. Um, Kawhi Leonard is just having an insane postseason. I think he's going to continue tonight while um, Utah is without Mike Conley. Um so I think the Clippers are going to pull it out, just barely. I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I agree. I think the Mike
0: Conley thing is going to be too uh, much to overcome for um, Utah. Um, I know Neto is a good player, but I don't think it's going to be enough for the Jazz to pull this one out. Um, so to segue into our our uh, one of our main topics tonight, uh, which is Trey Young. Um, Let's talk about the Hawks and Sixers. Um, some things I want to point out from uh, game one. Uh, the Hawks shot 20 of 21 from the free throw line, which is completely crazy compared to the games we talked about earlier. And uh, Philly shot 24 of 35. Um, but at one point, Atlanta was up by 26 points. And as you saw towards the end of that game, they tried to give it away. Um Garrett, what do you see going forward for the uh, the Hawks? Are they really there to contend, or do you think Philadelphia is going to show up with something crazy and finish them off?
2: Well, I think they're there to contend 100%. Um, Trey Young, you know, he is the, the prototype NBA player that can shoot the ball from anywhere, has all the confidence in the world, which you need in the postseason. I love Clint Capella. I think he's one of the most underrated players. Um, His length, protecting the rim, it can give Embiid some trouble, even though Embiid had a big game. Um, I think Capella can be a difference maker. And, uh, yeah, I think the Hawks are there. Ben Simmons is a shooting liability. Um, You know, they they don't guard him on the three-point line. He's a free-throw nightmare. I mean, they... Uh, the last series, I mean, they were intentionally fouling Ben Simmons, your star player, which you never see in the NBA, so absolutely, I think the Hawks have a great chance, especially stealing one.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that first game is um, a big one to win and definitely, but it might, you know, wake up some beasts in Philly. A couple of things I saw on the stat sheet was uh, George Hill only threw up two shots and didn't throw anything in, so They're going to want to have him contribute a little bit more off the bench. And Tyrese Maxey, who was a big uh, help in the first round there. Philadelphia was 2 of 8 for 6 points. Um, Ben Simmons only took 7 shots, and he put them all in, so that was good. But, you know, the free throws, 3 of 10. Um, Vanny Green was 0 for 4 from 3, and that's almost literally the only reason he's there for anymore. Um, Seth did a fantastic job. Um, as far as the Hawks go, um, they're going to definitely need Gallinari uh, to do a little bit more work there. Uh, two of four shooting in 18 minutes. They hit a three and nine points. Um, Lou Williams had eight points off the bench. Valdonavich uh, hit five threes. Um, so yeah, and that's not even talking about Trey Young, which we'll get to him in a second, but Uh, The Hawks played one of their, you know, a good game for them. Like I said, I think Gallinari needs to step it up. Um, But I think every pretty much there was a pretty fair game. Not too much uh, bad things going on for either team as far as the final stats will show you. So, yeah, I think if the Hawks can pull that game out, I think they're going to have a great chance. Um, Thad, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I
1: do. Um, Just looking at the stat sheet real quick, um, the Hawks shot or made double the three-pointers the Sixers did. I think that's obviously huge. I mean, the whole entire league now is nothing but trying to get as many threes as you can in a game, I feel like. Um, free throws, on the other hand, um, Hawks shot 95% while the Sixers shot 68%, which, I mean, we talked about Simmons not being able to hit a free throw. Um, I think the biggest thing for the Sixers is figuring out how to stop Trey Young, even if that's even possible. Um, but I think that's what they worked on the last two days. Um, is figuring out how to settle him down, not to drop thirty-five and ten on him. Um, so that means someone else is gonna have to step it up, and I think that guy's Gallinari. Um, like you said. Um, I think they have a good chance at winning. I. I don't think they win tonight, Um, but I could see them going up uh, three to two uh, on this 76ers team.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, Dan, I want to get your thoughts on this because you're you're the one who brought this question up last night. Um, Do you think the uh, Hawks uh, have a chance to pull this series out?
4: Dave, I think that the Hawks are what – Golden State used to be before uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson got really good. Um, Basically, they're trying to build a team just like Golden State. They took the formula, and now they're trying to convert it with Trey Young, a bright young star in the NBA, and they're trying to build around him a bunch of shooters like Bogdanovich. They got that hoarder guy. I can't pronounce his name. I mean, they shot 20 from 47 on the threes. Uh, it's it's really hard to keep that up, but if they can keep that up every night, they got a really good shot to win. I don't personally think they're ready to beat a team like the 76ers this year, but they are about one to two years away from really competing for the NBA.
0: Okay, so hold that thought there for a second. Let's talk about um, maybe a little bit into the future for the Hawks. I want to talk about some of the stats we're seeing first from Trey Young in this postseason. Um, Through the first six games of this postseason, Trey Young is averaging 30 points, 10 assists, on 45% shooting, 35 from three, 95% from the free throw line, shooting almost eight free throws a game. He is up five points in scoring and assists, and he's up in every uh, percentage of scoring from the regular season. Do any of you... And if you have a quick thought on this, unmute your mic. Uh, do any of you see Trey Young slowing down or do you think he's going to keep riding
3: this wave uh, the rest he's gonna of the keep. Post-season? He's going to keep riding this wave. He has all the confidence in the world right now. He showed it against New York and he showed it against Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. That confidence that he has. He wants to be
0: the villain, it looks like, and... I, I I personally agree. I think he keeps riding this wave. It's going to be the rest of the Hawks that don't back him up to do this. So, Dan, back to that uh, thought that you had uh, about them being maybe two or three years away. Um, what do you think the Hawks ne- are missing from them not being ready? Is it just experience, or are they a few pieces away? And if they are a few pieces away, what do you think they need, and who specifically do you think they should go?
4: I think it's honestly just experience and maybe just getting a little bit better in certain positions, just more consistency, really, Dave. Then that's the key. In the playoffs, you have to have not only your starters putting up 20 to 30 points, you know, your big guys, but you need a guy off the bench to get 20 points every once in a while. And that's that's maybe the piece that they're missing right now. I know they have Lou Williams, but he's not as good as he used to be. He's not that sixth man of the year anymore. So they need someone like that that they can get to uh, pick up the pace when maybe the starters aren't doing as well.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think it definitely is experience. Um, and uh, Trey's only been there twice, uh, right, I think. This is his second time in the postseason, uh, but he's really shown that he deserves to be there. Um, Garrett, real quick, uh, what do you think two to three years down the road, what are the Hawks – look like and is it just more experience keeping the roster pretty much intact or is there a big thing they need to do or a big piece they need to add and what do you think that piece is if that's the case
2: um it was touched on earlier but i think that they're going for a golden state model where guys are you know just shooting 40 to 53 pointers a game and we see that they have the shooters in place and like i said i love capella down low so I I think they're trending in the right direction maybe maybe add like a power forward somebody that could get you a bucket on the block I don't think Capella is that kind of guy but other than that I think they they have a good core and and I love the shooting surrounding Trey we saw in the first series that Trey got into the lane whenever he wanted to either hit that float shot which he's so good at or find those shooters so I think they're here to stay and and I like what
6: Austin, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on what Garrett was saying, I think they do have that guy in John Collins. I mean, 21 points, four rebounds. I mean, he he can shoot from three. I mean, he's kind of that stretch four that they need, but he can bang down low as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, this Hawks team, um, they keep that core together. I think they definitely, obviously, you know, they're going to keep Trey. Uh, Bogdanovich is locked up for a while. They gave him that huge deal. John Collins, I don't think, is going anywhere. Pell is going to stay there. Um, they got Okonwu off the bench. That could turn into something uh, awesome. Just a good spark there. Um, DeAndre Hunter did not play in game one uh, with a sore right knee. So we're talking about a guy who can get you points and play defense. Um, he's he's going to be a big key for that Hawks team, and he didn't even play the other night. Um, so, yeah, this, this Hawks team uh, is going to be very dangerous uh, here in the next – couple of years um Aaron is there anything that you wanted to add on the Trey Young talk and the Hawks
5: I'd like to just talk about this game for a little bit longer um we're all talking about how well Trey Young's played and how well the starters play I think the starters got outplayed by the Sixers starters all game I mean I mean not Trey Young specifically and they all played really well but it just felt like when the Sixers starters were out there when the Hawks starters were out there the Sixers were playing better um I think Kevin Horder was a huge difference in the, on the bench, and I think George Hill playing ten minutes and being a minus seventeen is really telling. And it cannot happen again. I think every starter for the Sixers was a plus, and every bench player was a minus. And I think it's the opposite for the Hawks. Um, every starter was a minus. Every bench, I mean, a lot of that was the fourth quarter down the stretch when they just really looked like they were struggling to close that game out. They wanted to lose that game at the end, and they with the stats looking like they were and the teams looking like they did with with the Hawks only winning by four points. The Sixers I think are looking really good in the series still even after losing game 1.
0: Okay. Andrew, you got anything to add?
3: Um so that that abysmal like stretch in the fourth quarter, that's I think that's because just of a lack of experience um when it comes to playoff team uh, playoff time cuz a lot of these players on the Sixers have been the playoffs at least 3 or 4 times um except for Tyrese Maxey but i think i think atlanta's going to learn from that and like sure the, there were stretches they could have been better they were turning the ball over um but i think i i just think atlanta's going to learn from that i i think philadelphia like they they really need to they really need to attack inside more um but i don't know if they if if they lose game two tonight, I think they're in. I think they're in big trouble because I mean, Atlanta plays really well at home, and I, I don't know. It's just it's a close call right now. I I was gonna bring up DeAndre Hunter because I think now that he's back, it's gonna make a little bit of a difference. But if Philly wants to win, I mean Ben Simmons really has to like. He really needs to elevate his game. He's probably the most frustrating uh star there is right now.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. That 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 last sequence there when they were turning the ball over and over and over, um, I think that definitely does come down to lack of experience and just kind of some nonchalant plays uh there at the end. Aaron, did you want to say something?
5: I just forgot to add that Danny Green has a step up. He's been there enough times, uh he can't have as many points as he has fouls, you know, in thirty minutes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's there for one thing, and that's leadership and shooting, and he um, showed zero shooting the other night. Um, Thad, do you want to finish us off with this Trey Young talk? Anything you want to add? I think everybody pretty
1: much nailed everything I was going to say. I think the, I will say this, I think the Hawks um right now the young star with trey young are honestly better off right now than the mavericks just because cap room um it looks like their team chemistry is a lot better than what the mavericks were um but i can definitely compare the two um you have this young superstar you're trying to get him surrounded by the best players that you can to win a ship let's see who does it first
0: yeah, um Austin, you have something to say about that? Isn't that the most
6: balanced trade of all time? Trey Young, Luka?
0: Yeah, I mean that yeah, I mean it has to be. That's one of the craziest things. Usually you see something like that, you know, and it blows up in somebody's face, but Trey's doing his thing and Luka's doing his thing. I think, you know, Luka's a far better player, but man, you could not go wrong with Trey Young. Anybody want to touch on that real quick? So
4: are you saying that you would rather have Trey Young or are you saying that you'd
1: rather have Luca? I think anybody would say Luca. I mean, he's going to be one of the greatest players ever. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league now. Look how young he is. He's going to be the first rookie to get a crazy max
4: contract. So you're just saying yeah. that the pieces around uh, Trey are just in better situation and they have, like, a better cohesiveness is basically what – me yeah, okay, I agree. I I agree
0: with yeah, and I and I'm picking Luca too. I think I touched on that yesterday's show. Uh, Luca's going to be the next triple double season. I don't think that's a question, and I think he'll do it multiple times. I'll go as far to say that. I think he's a thirty ten and ten guy. Easy at twenty two, he's already already almost there. And injury's the only thing I think is going to stop him. But I would agree with Austin that is a very fair trade looking back at it when you weren't sure where the careers were going to take off. um, I still, you know, it's hard to say what Atlanta would do because Atlanta needs uh, the Trey Young type player where he's just going to go out fearless, get the job done. And Luka's in a position, especially with the way their roster built up, where he has to kind of do a little bit of everything. And I agree with Thad that – Dallas is not in as good of a position as the Hawks are Um, I think Dan nailed it on the head saying they're a few years away just keep this team together get that uh, experience there and they're going to be right there ready to go so the next last thing I want to uh, oh hold on Uh, hey there uh, Griffin do you have anything you wanted to add on the Trey Young talk Um. No, you can go on the next. What you're going to say next? It's all right. That's all right. Um. Thanks for joining. Um. Last thing we want to talk about here is uh. Last night we were on talking about Jason Kidd's coaching future, and in the middle of discussing that, Tibbs was named Coach of the Year. So, kind of wanted to go over um, Tibbs as a coach, and more specifically where we think he's going to take the Knicks here in the next couple of years. So. I'll go through a couple of the numbers here, a couple of a, like a little bit of a career recap for Tibbs, and then I want definitely want to start with Garrett as our uh, big Knicks guy here in this chat. So um, he got his first NBA job in '89 as an assistant for Minnesota. He was there for a couple years. Uh, that team did nothing. Um, he was in San Antonio a couple fifty-one seasons as an assistant. Went back or was went to Philly after that. And then he spent that big stretch with the Knicks under uh, Jeff Van Gundy, was an assistant on that 99 team that lost in the finals. Um, He then followed Van Gundy to Houston from 03 to 07. And then he was on Doc's uh, staff in Boston in 07 and 10, where they won a finals and lost the finals. Um, Got his first head coaching gig in 2010, 2011, where he was in coach of the year with Chicago. Um, was in Chicago, as we know, for five years. Uh, did some great things. Where unfortunately, D Rose got hurt, and that's probably you know that's a big what if scenario there. Um, then he spent some time in Minnesota, and you know now we are back in New York. Um, one thing I found interesting is I was looking at his um, stats as far as offense and defensive ratings go uh, for his teams, and. We know Tibbs as a defensive coach. I mean, that's kind of what his big deal is. So I went back and looked at the ratings. His first year in Chicago, they had the 11th best offense and the number one defense his first year, which was up uh, 16 spots in offense and 10 spots in defense from where Del Negro had the Bulls the year before. He then went and had the number five offense and the number two defense. And then in 2012-2013, he dropped all the way down to 23rd offense the next year, the 28th offense. And then his last year in Chicago, he had the 11th best offense, 11th best defense. And, uh, yeah, so it kind of surprised me, er, surprised me a little bit, just because of what I am going to say next, that his uh, offense was so low, but his defense was so high. Top 10 defense his first four uh, years in the league, number one, number two, number six, and number two. And he fell to 11 his last year in Chicago before he was let go. But then when he got to Minnesota – His defenses were almost the worst in the league, 27, 27, 24, but his offenses were about top 10, 10, 4, and 11. But then he comes back to New York, who had the year before last season, 28th best uh, worst, or I guess 28th ranked offense, 23rd ranked defense, and has him now up five spots, 23rd in offense, third in defense. Um, So let's kind of talk about where he's going. I mean, he's obviously back here in his defensive ways, after a few offensive things but do you think that offensive a stretch he had with Minnesota is going to help uh New York in the future or do you think they're going to stick around you know the low end of offense and just keep grinding on defense so Garrett I'll start with you where do you see the Knicks going uh with Thibodeau
2: well I just want to say that I think Thibodeau was a great hire um you went through his whole history I mean he he won a title with Boston. He's been to the finals with the Knicks. And then, you know, he won sixty games and lost to LeBron, D. Wade, and Bosch in the Eastern Conference Finals. And D Rose, you know, getting hurt and stuff. He you know, he could potentially have still been in Chicago if D. Rose isn't hurt, uh, what they had going there, you know, top seeds and, and everything else. So I think he's well respected and I I think that he has the Knicks um core young guys buying into defense which is so hard to do in today's nba that if they can get a lillard type player you know a volume score with that young core that's already bought in i i think he's a perfect fit and i loved what he did with the team this year um we you know had a good mix of randall getting great numbers nerland's you know coming off the bench a majority of the season, I think he was like third in blocks for the year, uh which was very encouraging so I like the the pieces and I think he's the guy that that makes the most sense to lead him forward uh already having the the young guys buying into uh
0: yeah obviously they're gonna have to find some kind of scoring to uh keep you know going forward, but do you See the Knicks um, trying uh, to jump up in the offensive rankings, or do you see them hovering mid-pack and that being enough to get the job?
2: I I think that they would definitely like to jump up, but it's such a star-based league that uh, they were a pretty well-rounded team. So I I think it's going to depend on if they can land that volume score. I know Randall had had a good scoring season, but in the playoffs, he looked a little run down. You know, he played, I'm not sure the exact number, but he was towards the top of the league in minutes played, and he looked worn down. So, uh, and I don't know if that's his game, to be honest with you, Um, relied on that heavy to score. So I think they're just a star away. I don't think it's Thibodeau's system or anything like that. I I just think it's the players the Knicks had. So, for them to be fourth in the East with good defense, which is so rare now, and uh, if they can get, get that next guy, I, I think they're in perfect.
0: Yeah, I mean, to jump up 20 spots in defensive rating in one year is incredible. Um, Thad, do you want to touch on uh, this Thibodeau-Knicks situation here real quick?
1: I just find it amazing that the Knicks this off season. Basically just got a bunch of young guys who haven't really played well, um, haven't really established a big name in the NBA, and then they hired Thibs, uh, they get this young group of guys together, and they make the playoffs. Um, I think that really shows you uh, how good a coach Thibs really is. Um, obviously the players have some part, but I think if they had a different coach in there, they don't even make the playoffs this year.
0: Um yeah, that's, I I don't think so either. Uh I don't I personally didn't see this hire as anything crazy in the offseason. I thought, man, really Tibbs is back in the league. Um but yeah, I mean, he obviously knows what he's doing. He's proven that he can coach defense and he's proven that he can coach defense no matter what decade we're in. Um Andrew, real quick, I want to ask you what your thoughts are on uh Thibodeau being a Celtics fan.
3: Yeah, sure, man. Um I, I got a lot of love for Tibbs. Um I always root for the guy. Um you know, I think he's a solid I think he's a solid coach. I mean what he did in Chicago speaks for itself. Um in Minnesota I think his problem was like uh I just don't think he had the right like the right players because a lot of those guys outside of Jimmy Butler that he had, like the defensive presence just wasn't there. So, I mean, it was just, a, it was just not a good fit for him, but the Knicks have been an absolute shit show for over for all, probably since like the la- the one really good year they had outside of Carmelo with Carmelo Anthony. Um, so and he turned them around. Now, that team is not perfect and New York wants to get better, so clearly they have a lot of adjustments to make. I think Thibodeau can get them to be like a contending team in the conference for sure. Um but it's going to take a lot of uh it's going to take a lot of changes because there are obvious flaws in this roster management and the fact that Thibodeau was able to win what for was it 41 games this year? Yeah, not 41. 41. The the fact that the the fact that he won forty one games with that roster is impressive.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people would, and that's probably that's what's the reason he got the coach of the year. I mean, he took this Knicks team that nobody saw any hope in and got into the playoffs. That's just incredible. Um, and I agree with you on the Minnesota point too. Um, that was not his roster. Um, I mean, he kind of got hired with that roster and left with that roster. Aside from the Jimmy Butler edition. So, yeah, he doesn't really have a chance with his team, and he just kind of did with what he, you know, worked with what he had. Um, Dan, what's your input on uh, Thibodeau and the Knicks?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, he basically took what he had and uh, milked every last ounce out of what he could. I mean, nobody saw the Knicks doing anything this year. The fact that they won 41 games and got fourth place in the East, just like everyone said a big surprise I mean it's huge for the Knicks because they've been down and out for so long and you can see it in the playoffs I mean they had the best fans there game two was like a rude awakening to the NBA's back because that was the loudest stadium I've heard since COVID has started I mean that was just crazy but basically Thibodeau, sorry, Thibodeau um he took the Knicks and uh did what he could with them, but they're going to need to do something next year to increase their chances because really I don't see it happening again next year without, uh, you know, a major scoring option. I know Randall had a great year this year. I just don't see him being that number one guy, really. I mean, he's a great rebounder. Uh, He can put it back with the best of them, but he's, I just don't see him as that number one option. They just really need a star away, just like Garrett said. Otherwise, it's not going to get any better than this.
0: I hear you.
6: Austin? Are we ever going to see anything out of Lakina? I mean, he's only 22, so he's still young. But I am i feel like that's just a waste of a pick at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to pass that off to Garrett. What can you tell us about uh, Frank Lakina Garrett? I think Frank
2: was in a long, not a long, but a decent line of poor drafting, um, by the next, you know, the last decade. And they revamped the whole front office this last year. And I think it, it's showing, you know, by drafting Barrett, um, and some of these moves, getting Nerlands for, you know, dirt cheap, et cetera. So I think it's a well respected, uh, front office now. These guys. Uh, Leon and the, and the different guys so I think I think Frank is just the quintessential you know last 10 years of
0: poor yeah I mean Frank was definitely a part of that you know team when the Knicks had you know no maturity no veteran leadership no help no nothing and I I don't think he I think that hurt I think
3: it was just their front office was terrible I mean it was what Steve Mills and like Bunch of other tr- or guys that like were so bad at their job, like this front office with like Leon Rose, uh, William Leslie, Scott Perry, like they're really, really good. Yeah,
0: I agree. And Griffin, I see your chat down there. I was just gonna bring up Kevin Knox. Uh, what you want to add something to this conversation here about Knox. Yeah, or or just anything on the topic. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, he was just a bad pick at seven. He should have not been there at seven. Uh, what do you see just, uh, for the Knicks going forward? Do you think uh, they're headed in the right direction, or do you think there's some major overhaul? That is-
3: I mean, they should be heading in the direction. They have all this money for, to go into the summer with, so they should be able to spend players and see what the Hawks did. They just spent that caps, they spent that money, got players around trade that could play with them. And they just went for it, so that's what I'm expecting Knicks should do. Get guys that can play around Julius, they can play off him, and try to get more talent around that team.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. They have plenty of money to do something and to definitely help that roster. And I think the Knicks, uh, after this season, especially uh, you know the management, or have, they have to be all in on Tibbs right now. Um, and they're going to have a lot of his input. They're going to have to Julius see what he wants to do. Um, I don't, I don't foresee Derrick Rose coming back. Uh, Garrett D or Aaron, what do you think? I mean, I see Derrick Rose going wherever Tom Tibbs
5: is, but I just want to say that I think Tom Tibbet is a terrific coach, but I think the Knicks got really lucky this year to get that four seed just this whole season injuries with every single team and the Knicks were lucky to have to miss RJ Barrett and Julius Randle missed one game combined. You know, that's their top two scores, or top two is a minute, minutes played. And I think that Randall will find his way on an all NBA team because of this. And I think the Knicks will be lucky to find a four seat again
1: without.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any question that the Knicks need help, especially in the offensive end. Uh, the playoffs showed it. Um, Julius struggled. There was nobody there to help pick up any kind of slack on offense. Um, Real quick, um, Garrett, what's one thing that you want to see the Knicks pursue? I know you said you want that score, that other star, um, but it's realistically, specifically, who do you who do you want them to go after?
2: Oh, I'm all in on Lillard. Not even a question. I love his his competitiveness. Um... You know, do it all, and and he knows what it takes to win. Even though he hasn't, He's just had a tough situation. I think, I think the pieces the Knicks have pairing with Lillard is is the perfect fit. And from what I've read, they're all in trying to get him. So.
0: All right, sounds good. Um, I'm going to do a quick roll call real here, uh, real quick here. Uh, give me one last word before we sign off. Uh, well, are we going to talk about who's going to win tonight? Yeah, go ahead.
5: Uh, I think the Sixers, just the way that game ended last night, and I and the way they started the game compared to the way they ended the game, I think that game two will be a blowout for the Sixers. Um, I think I already mentioned I think the Jazz will take game one against the Clippers. I just think the Clippers are just so flaky. It just feels like the Clippers should win every game they play, and they just never seem to do it.
3: Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, I don't really have much to offer. I think I I said the Clippers would win. I have a feeling the Hawks are going to take game two um, very closely, but we'll see.
0: Yep, that's definitely going to be the, the the fun series to watch other than, I think, Denver and Phoenix. Uh, Dan, go ahead.
4: Uh, I think the Clippers pull out tonight, you know, without Conley, and uh, I think... Sixers are kind of in a must-win, so they're going to have to pull it out tonight at home, and I think they do.
0: All right, Griffin. Any parting? Um,
3: as far as uh, games tonight, I think uh, I think Utah will get game one. They're just they're really hard to beat at home, especially when they're healthy with Donovan playing. And um, I think the Sixers a good game too. I can't see the Sixers losing both games at home. They've been so dominant at home this year.
0: Yeah, Philadelphia is definitely going to have to win this game. Otherwise, I think they're in serious trouble. Uh, Garrett, parting words.
2: I think Conley missing is a a big deal, and I like the Clippers. And then I expect Embiid to have a big game. And uh, I'm going to say Simmons shoots it a little bit better tonight. So I like the Sixers. And one little thing I just – just happened to read Jokic is the first MVP drafted in the second round, which I did not know that. So
0: throw that in there. Yeah. Let's uh, put that in your look it up memory bank in a couple of years. And I'm sure we will roll some more eyes sometime uh, in the future. Uh, Austin, what do you got
6: tonight? I like the Clippers. I'm going to stick with my guns. I I think they win, not even close. I'm going to say double digits. Um, as for the other game, I do think the Sixers will win. Um, Simmons actually didn't play that terribly. He had too many turnovers. That was that was his big issue. He shot seven for seven the other night. So I mean, really, I think the X factor for the Sixers, and we haven't seen him yet really much these playoffs. But it's Shake Milton. I mean, he was scoring thirteen off their bench all season long, and he's been non-existent these playoffs. He played one minute. I don't know if he got hurt. I didn't watch all that game, but uh, I think he's a big X factor.
0: Yeah, that bench definitely has to do something, Um, and I still think Danny Green has to be a part of that offense somehow. Uh, Thad, go ahead. Send us off.
1: Mike Conley being out is huge, Um, but I think the bigger story is how tired are the Clippers? Um, Seven-game series, one day off. Coming into this game, Jazz are well-rested. I think it's a good game, and I think at the end of the game, uh, the Jazz win just down the stretch. I think Clippers are just going to be too tired. They're not going to have it in them uh, to run the floor at the end, and I think that's when the Jazz take the lead. Um, as far as the Sixers game, uh, I definitely think Embiid does just as good as he did last game. I think Simmons definitely steps it up. I'm saying he drops 25. Um, and I'm going to be bold and say Maxi drops double digits, um, and a 76ers, uh, victory to tie the series.
0: All right. I like all that. I appreciate all you guys tuning in, uh, just to let Andrew and Griffin know, since you guys are new, um, we post this podcast, um, on Spotify at NBA PTF. So if you want to, you know, listen back to takes and hear what's going on that should be live tomorrow on spotify and check out the facebook page and instagram at nba ptf got a lot of polls and you know facts and stuff on there so hope you guys will check it out hope you guys will come back and um, we also will post on there the next time that we go live um so yeah hope to see you guys soon and that's the rest of you guys i appreciate you guys coming in and giving uh, your input and we'll see you next time thanks guys good stuff
4: guys